Luke chapter 11, uh, verse number 24, uh, where this is where the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about, uh, you see in red letters, talking about unclean spirits or evil spirits or demons. It says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, he being the unclean spirit personal pronoun he attributed to this evil spirit or unclean spirit it says he walketh through dry places everyone say dry places seeking rest and findeth none he saith i will return unto my house whence i came out i want you to notice that unclean spirits walk through dry places seeking rest finding a place to roost finding a place to settle And uh, so I want to talk today for a few moments on the devil and the dry. The devil and the dry. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, the power that it has to change our lives, Jesus, and give us hope, provide direction to us. Today we pray, Lord God, let the anointed word come through lips of clay, Jesus, minister to hearts and needs today. Let us be encouraged and strengthened. Make sure we're right on the right path, Lord God, living and thriving as you have planned for us to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said amen. I want you to put your hands together for Jesus one more time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. And uh, you may be seated. This, of course, is the end of October, the last Sunday of October, and this is the week of Halloween. And uh, every year, this time of year, the weather turns a little bit cooler and Starbucks begins to serve their pumpkin spice latte, which somebody described as Christmas in a cup. And uh, we begin to see the harvest-themed decorations come up on the houses. And also we begin to see Halloween costumes in the department stores and also the various yard implements and accoutrements of Halloween. Now, if you are uh, in any way familiar with the entertainment associated with Halloween for people, you know that this time of year there are television programs and movies that uh, focus on the paranormal. Uh, And Halloween, of course, is a time where people have brought to mind things like witches and goblins and skeletons and ghosts and all of these things associated with the dark side. And of late there have been some movies that have come out that actually scored very well and earned a lot of money regarding the idea of houses being haunted by the spirits of the departed And these hauntings are of great interest to people. And so you may hear things like people asking, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in demons? Do you believe in spiritual, invisible activity? And uh, there is somewhat a a great amount of fascination in this world with that which is sensational. And uh, it's been proven that some of this interest and some of this activity is uh, uh, psychosomatic or things that the mind produces because of stimuli from the outside. But the Bible makes it very clear that there is a spirit realm and a spirit realm that has evil 
and has good within the spirit realm. And I want to talk about that for a little bit today. There are many examples in the Word of God, particularly in the Gospels, where Jesus Christ encountered and dealt with unclean or evil spirits. And many of these evil spirits that encountered Jesus Christ were cast out of their hosts or those individuals that were possessed or oppressed by evil spirits during the ministry of Jesus. In fact, the people were amazed by Jesus' ministry in part because the evil spirits were submitted to the power of his word, that they would leave when Jesus told them to leave. Many examples in Scripture, some of the more prominent ones are the Greek Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus and said, Have mercy on me because my daughter is grievously vexed with a demon or a devil that uh, uh, brings tremendous problems and issues into her life. And, of course, simply through the power of the word of Jesus, this Syrophoenician woman's daughter was released from the power of these oppressive evil spirits and jesus was impressed by the syrophoenician woman's faith another example is the the man who brought his son to jesus disciples while uh, jesus and uh, peter james and john were on the mountain of transfiguration and this son was possessed with evil spirits and uh, would uh, these evil spirits would take control of the boy and cast him into the fire cast him into the water. The story goes they were incapable of casting out this evil spirit. When Jesus came down from the mountain, things were out of control. His disciples were embarrassed. This young man was thrashing about under the influence of this evil spirit. And uh, Jesus uh, asked the the father if he believed. And uh, the father said, "Uh, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus cast out the evil spirit. And uh, he, he called it by name. And uh, commanded it to be released from this young man. And uh, when the evil spirit was released, he lay there so still that people thought uh, that uh, he was dead. And, uh, of course, the disciples say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this evil spirit? And Jesus said, this kind cometh. Uh, he said, if you have faith, then it could happen. But this kind of faith cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. And then another uh, great example is the example of the demoniac. It shows up in each uh, of the synoptic gospels, the story of this uh, devil-possessed or unclean spirit-possessed man who uh, uh, was in this place called uh, Gadara. And uh, there he was uh, in the tombs. He would rip his clothes off and and tear at his flesh. And he was so powerful that he could not even be uh, contained by human beings because this uh, evil spirit gave him uh, this sort of supernatural uh, physical power so he was like a madman amongst the tombs and uh, Jesus of course um, healed this man and we'll talk about this story at a little bit more length in just a moment but these are some examples of evil spirits that Jesus encountered during his ministry and I want to tell you today that in 2011 there is still demonic activity there is still evil spirits that oppress and even possess individuals uh, now, where are, uh, what are these demons and where do they come from? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 uh, about spiritual warfare, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, our battle as Christians is not against people, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we see here that there is a spirit realm where evil forces are organized 
and there are levels of uh, authority, levels of power and influence within the spirit realm. And even though we cannot see it, even though it cannot be observed by the naked eye, we do believe and we understand from the Word of God that our warfare, our battle for spiritual dominance is a spiritual battle. And the kingdom of God, God's purpose and God's will on the earth, in order for it to be accomplished, these have to be bound up. And these uh, princes and powers and spiritual wickedness has to be dealt with. Even in your own life and things that you are struggling with, there may be demonic influence behind some of the oppression that you experience. Now, we understand that the biggest problem you have is with your flesh. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. But there are influences that cause us to be tempted when we open the doors to spiritual wickedness. In Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, it's an interesting passage where it talks about Daniel's prayers not even getting through to God because they were intercepted by the prince of Persia, which gives us an idea that every city or major area has an invisible spirit prince that has authority because this world is controlled by the God of this world, which is not our God, but it's Satan himself. And so there is, over each city and over each region and each area, these uh, uh, spirit beings that are able to control the various minions and send them on tasks and cause them to do certain works to stop the work of the kingdom of God and to keep man or flesh or demonic dominion in the area. So these principalities are strong men who try to stop the work of God. Amen. And Jesus referenced it. The Word of God referenced it. And you don't hear it much in the church world today, but these spirit, this spiritual wickedness is very real. So when the battle is won in the air or the spiritual battle is won, then we can begin to see victory reflected on the earth. That's why a prayerless church is not going to have people getting the Holy Ghost and being turned into disciples of Jesus Christ because the battle of the air is lost. So on the earth and in the church, we don't see the victory that we desire to see. Let me make it very plain to you, people of God, today, that if the church is going to move forward, it, 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 an apostolic, spirit-filled church that's seeing lives changed and people delivered and people set free from oppression, people set free from bad habits, people set free from uh, uh, things from their past, the only way it's going to happen is for there to be warfare that happens in the air before anything happens in the church. That's why I'm going to be real transparent right now. A couple of weeks ago, I preached about the importance of the power of prayer. And, and the people of God rallied with me, and I was excited. But then I came to prayer the very next night and saw three people there. And I said, God, this is not going to work. It can't be just us emphasizing things and, and people rallying around the concept of the principle. It's about doing it. All right, people of God? God is calling us to do and engage in spiritual warfare. Otherwise, we're wasting our time here. We want to see people set free. Hey, this church is not going to be built on personality. This church is not going to be built on talent. 
This church is not going to be built on skill, on music, on attractive preaching or attractional things. This church is going to be built, we've said from the very beginning, on changed lives. I want this church, come on somebody, to be full of former heroin addicts, former meth addicts, former homosexuals and lesbians and transvestites. Uh, The only way that can happen, come on somebody, is when there is warfare happening in the air and when God's people are walking in victory... Spiritual deliverance transpiring. That doesn't happen because you have good music. That doesn't happen because you have nice people. That happens because there are people that understand the invisible spirit realm and say, although I come to church and come to my prayer time or in my closet, I engage in warfare and battle, and nobody knows and nobody sees, but it's making a difference. Amen? Amen. Praise God. When God's people are full of faith, when God's people are warriors of prayer, come on, when this church shakes with prayer, when this church in your house shakes with supplication, then you see good things happen when we come together on Sunday. Then you begin to see things happen in the church every day of the week. Come on now. It's God's will that people receive the Holy Ghost in this place or as, as a result of the influence of this place every day of the week. I want to remind us today, I want to remind myself that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So you don't win the battle with flesh and blood. You don't win the battle with talent. You don't win the battle with ability. You don't win the battle with strength. It's nothing that comes from my flesh that wins this battle. This battle is a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, princes of the air, spiritual wickedness, given us the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. There are two misconceptions that are on the two extreme ends, and I want you to, when it it comes to evil spirits or uh, uh, demons, not to fall into the ditches on either side of the road. The first ditch is to believe that everything happens because of demonic activity. And you get into this uh, uh, kind of uh, hypersensitized um, uh, looking into uh, uh, everything and saying that, oh, this is a, a demon at work. And uh, it becomes sensational. It becomes uh, um, just uh, um, uh, out of touch with reality. But the other extreme is to believe that you're immune to evil spirits and to, to demons, even if you're in sin or in rebellion. And so you've got to understand that these things are real. And if you choose to disobey God and live in rebellion against God's authority, that you open yourself up to torment or oppression or even possession from evil spirits. Demons seek to oppress, to torment, and to possess. Those are three words, important words. Oppress, torment, and possess. Let me give you a little lesson so you can understand the difference between these When evil spirits oppress someone, it's a work on the outside. It's not an internal thing. It's something from the outside. And it's something that just kind of seems like a battering ram. It never ceases. And the purpose of the enemy's oppression is to break down our resistance. And often uh, oppression comes through repeated temptations and persecutions from the outside. And and, uh, oppression usually happens to Christians. I want you to think about that. Why would the enemy... 
fight against somebody who's already on his side? Why would there be oppression coming to people who aren't trying to live for God? So the people who are trying to live for God are the ones that normally experience oppression because the purpose of oppression, remember, is to break down our resistance. It's the devil's way of trying to get people to go back to their own sinful lives. And so the way to respond to the oppression of the enemy is to do what the Bible says, is to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so most of us have experienced this in our lives when we find ourselves uh, uh, being bombarded with temptation and being bombarded seemingly with an unnatural, overboard, inordinate amount of temptation or persecution. And uh, it's trying to break us down or to get us to quit or to give up or to surrender to the oppression of the enemy. The second is the torment of, of the devil. And the torment is fear, depression, and affliction. And I want to tell you, I want you to get this point now, as far as torment in the life of a believer, it happens because the person allows the devil to have influence through their thought life. The Bible says that we are to gird up the loins of our mind. There are certain things that we shouldn't allow our minds to think about. And when you just let your mind go free, you open yourself up or give an opening or an open door, if you would, to a spirit that would come and torment you with fear or depression. So if you're struggling with fear, the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear so you know that it's not from God, it's from the enemy. And secondly, you need to learn to control your thoughts. If you learn to gird up the loins of your mind, then the devil doesn't have an opening through which to oppress you. And the Bible says... uh, Casting down imagination and every high thought that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So anything that comes into your mind that is contradictory to the word of God, contradictory to the authority of Jesus Christ, contradictory to God's perfect plan and will and happiness and joy for your life, cast it down and reject it and refuse it. Don't think about it. When you start to think about you're going to lose your job, cast down that thought because that will bring with it depression and and fear and anxiety. Amen. You may well lose your job, but if you lose your job, you're going to be trusting God through it. But if you worry about something, you're opening up to allow the devil to just oppress you. Amen. To torment you, to cause you fear and stress. And another area where you provide an open door for spiritual torment is hatred or resentment or unforgiveness. If someone has done you wrong or caused a wound or, 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 or a hurt in your life, usually not a physical but an emotional wound, what you have to do is you are required to forgive that person because unforgiveness is an open door. Forgiveness closes the door, right? If someone has hurt you, someone has done wrong to you, As long as there continues to be unforgiveness in your heart, this deep-seated resentment is an open door for the enemy to use. And I have seen people tormented by the devil. And when I explain to them or try to share with them, the way that you will get free from this torment is there is someone, and you and I could probably come up with that someone that you need to forgive. 
Because as long as you hold those feelings, that bitter gall of resentment down in that vessel, it's going to continue to be an open door for the enemy to torment you with fear and depression and affliction. Amen. These uh, thoughts that are buried deep uh, in our hearts can open the door for the enemy to come in and create havoc in your life. And I refuse to leave a door open to the devil. Amen. So if you hurt my feelings, if you do me wrong, if you mistreat me, understand. I'm not going to hold it against you, not for your sake, but for my sake. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to work on making sure the relationship is restored and healthy. Because if I... uh, Fractured relationships can be open doors for the devil's torment in your life. Amen. So I'm going to make sure to... To, to, to do my part to try to heal that so that the door of the enemy's torment is closed. Everyone say amen. And the third area that, that you hear that's far, far less likely uh, is the area of spiritual possession or demonic possession. And that's where people actually temporarily lose the ability to control their bodies or their will. And oftentimes when a person becomes possessed by an evil spirit, they will do destructive and harmful things. And often they don't even remember what happened before they get delivered or before or after they come through this experience. Similar to the possessed boy that was thrashing about. Uh, and doing harm, potential harm to himself and harm to other people. And this area of spiritual possession requires that, that there be deliverance. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 that in the name of the Lord, we would, as a sign of being true believers, be able to cast out evil spirits by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And when there are people that come into the house of the Lord and they are struggling or experiencing issues because of evil spirits, uh, that God gives us the power and the authority to take dominion over them. Amen. Just like in, in when you walk into a classroom, uh, you know, the kids can do whatever. But it's understood that the teacher is in charge. So when the teacher says something, everybody has to surrender and submit to the authority of the teacher. Or when a police officer addresses you, you don't just spout off and mouth back to him. You submit and show that attitude in your response. And here's the deal. The name of Jesus has authority over every evil spirit. And so when we as people of God use that, understanding the authority and speaking it with clarity and with God confidence or Godfidence, uh, then we can speak to evil spirits uh, and they have to flee. They have to turn loose of those who are possessed, oppressed, or tormented by evil spirits. The story in Mark chapter 5, I want to read for you verse beginning with verse 1. It says, There came over unto the other side of the sea, And they came over into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Hmm. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. 
And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now uh, there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. It's a very interesting story of Jesus delivering this man referred to as the demoniac of Gadara. There's some interesting things in this story that uh, I want to bring to your attention. We, we said we'd talk about where do these evil spirits come from? Where do they originate from? And uh, some things we understand clearly from the Bible, some things that we have to infer and try to discover. Uh, many people believe that evil, evil spirits are a part of that one-third of rebellious angels that were a part of Satan's rebellion in heaven. Anybody know what I'm talking about where... Uh, Lucifer said, I will exalt myself. I, I, will, I will be like the Most High God. And uh, then the Bible says, I saw uh, Satan fall like lightning from heavens. And somehow he was able to bring with him one-third of uh, the uh, angelic host who were became unclean spirits. Now, there's another thing that, uh, um, uh, that I have studied about that's very interesting this is a theory in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew mythology regarding evil spirits, particularly those evil spirits that seek to oppress or possess individuals. Uh, we uh, preached or taught some time ago about the giants in Genesis, the Nephilim, which were the uh, product of, the Bible says, the, the, the sons of God, um, had offspring with the daughters of men. And, of course, there is a little bit of uncertainty about the meaning of, of this. But uh, according to the beliefs of Hebrew mythology, which cannot be uh, supported or explained scripturally, but this is just something I want to share with you for you to consider, is that these uh, angels, if you want to call them fallen angels or perverse angels, had relationships with human women. And these women produced offspring that had huge giant bodies, and they were called giants or Nephilim. And uh, the Bible infers very, infers very clearly that the purpose of the flood was to destroy or stop the spread and the influence of these perverse hybrids of heavenly or angelic or eternal and finite coming together, and that the floodwaters snuffed the life out of every living Nephilim, as well as the other people that were on the earth, except for those that were saved by water in the ark. And uh, Hebrew, ancient Hebrew mythology believes that it was, when, when, the, when the life was taken from these, the, uh, from, from these beings, these uh, uh, hybrids or beasts or whatever you want to call them that the spirits escape from the bodies and these are the very spirits that still travel around looking for a resting place looking for a dwelling place looking for a place 
to light. And it's very interesting. I don't know if you noticed in this passage, Mark chapter 5, that the evil spirit said, I adjure you by God, or said to Jesus Christ, I am going to take your case, my case, before God, because you are tormenting me before my Time And so this is the, the uh, uh, one theory, and I'm not saying that I uh, embrace it or agree with it, but it's very interesting that the, the Bible makes it clear that devils don't like water. That demons have an issue with water. The Bible says the devils, when they are cast out, they go about looking for dry places. Luke eleven twenty four. I'll read it again. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I will return unto my house whence I came out. One thing is for sure, and that is that the devil thrives in dryness. <clears throat> And unless you, uh, just in case you take this the wrong way, I'm not telling you that you need to go immerse yourself in a bathtub in order to be delivered from the oppression of evil spirits. Uh, We're talking here now about spiritual dryness. Amen. Jesus said, uh, I'm going to bring living water. If you knew who I was, you would ask to drink of me who has living water. And so the living water that comes from the Lord Jesus or the rivers of living water that flows out of the belly of someone that's born of the Spirit uh, is this uh, refreshing thing that the devil wants nothing to do with. Uh, He rather sets up uh, his uh, 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 residence and these evil spirits and demons uh, seek to find dry places because... Because the devil doesn't like water. The devil likes dry places. And he thrives in dryness. Isn't he? And he's in a constant quest for dry places. Now, I want to talk about being dry spiritually for a little bit. Because there are times when all of us experience, even believers, experience dry seasons. Anybody ever been there before where, man, you don't want to pray. You know you should pray, you know it's right to pray, but you'd almost rather take a beating than bow your knee and pray. And then when you do pray, you feel like it's useless, that there's nothing happening, that you're just hollering into a chair or speaking at the roof and it's bouncing back to you. These times of spiritual dryness happen to all people or maybe it's just a choice that you've made and you haven't been connected with God you haven't been spiritually uh, uh, renewed and uh, so you find yourself in a dry season and uh, we know that uh, this happened to many individuals even in the scripture that were men of God that they went through dry seasons but I want to encourage you or, or warn you or bring it to your attention today that the devil is always looking for a dry place and so you become susceptible to the oppression or the torment or even the possession of the enemy when you find yourself in a dry place so let me share with you today some things that I believe can produce dry places in your life, that can produce dryness in your life. And uh, uh, the Bible, there are examples of this happening to men like King David went through a dry season. King Saul went through a dry season. Elijah, Job, Jonah, among uh, many others that went through a dry season in their experience. And many of you have read before and heard in, in Psalms chapter 42 and verse 1, David said, as the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He says, I 
am thirsty, I'm parched, I'm dry, I realize that I need you, God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? So, in, in the interest of keeping the enemy at bay and thriving spiritually, we need to be aware of the things that can produce spiritual dryness because the devil hates places where it's flowing. But when it's dry and cracked and parched, he says, there I can set up shop. There is place for me to work. The first thing that can produce dryness spiritually is physical exhaustion. Physical exhaustion. Uh, Dr. Charlie talked to us a little bit ago about the importance of our physical body as being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Many times in Scripture you see that our bodies are referred to as a vessel or a jar. And that the valuable thing is not the jar, but the treasure that's inside of it, which is the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit? The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. But our vessel is important not because it's valuable, but our vessel is important because it is what the miracle requires to work through. God wants to work through you. He wants to work through your vessel. But if my vessel is physically exhausted and emotionally wrung out, then the, not only can the Spirit not work through me, but I f- can find myself very quickly in a time of spiritual dryness. There's a story of this man that went traveling through Africa, and there were a group of African tribesmen that uh, traveled with him. And on one particular day early on in the, in the quest and the journey, they traveled and covered a, a huge distance, a lot, a lot of miles in one day. And then that night they rested and they got up the next day, And the traveler was anxious to continue with his journey, but the tribesmen just sat there and refused to move. And uh, through communication with the uh, interpreter translator, he said, what's the matter? Why why won't you guys come? They said, we traveled too far yesterday. We need to sit here and wait for our souls to catch up with our bodies. Wait for our souls to catch up with our bodies. Just because you're physically able to do something doesn't mean you're emotionally or soulishly prepared to do something. And you will find yourself sometimes your vessel needs care. Your vessel needs to be taken care of. Good diet, physical exercise is important, but also rest is very, very important. And I believe, I believe that in every believer, in every family in this church, I encourage you, if you're in any, any way able to do it, take at least a week vacation where you get away from everything every single year. Amen? Because I've discovered one thing in my own personal life, and I'm sure it relates to you as well. The Holy Spirit being able to work in my life requires my vessel be in a position where the Holy Spirit can flow through. I need to stop for a few minutes and let my soul catch up with my body. Amen. Amen. Because what happens when you wring yourself out and you're physically spent, you will find yourself in a period of spiritual dryness. Even working for God. You can be working for God and at the same time 
And that's the second point. Second way for spiritual dryness to happen in your life is for you to be running on empty spiritually. That means you are giving out, but you're not refilling. Amen. And in order to serve, now there are people of God, every member of the body of Christ is to serve and to minister. But we can't serve out of our reserve. We must give out of our overflow. But when you are always giving and you don't stop and say, I need to receive, you can find yourself spiritually dry, just like Martha was busy serving, busy serving, but didn't take time to receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. And this can produce spiritual dryness that opens the door to an attack of the enemy. Number three is a a contrary or a cool spiritual environment. Uh, When you're in a place or in a setting that is not fervent spiritually, it can begin to influence you. Amen. Let me talk here a little bit about television. When you watch television and you're endlessly exposed to the, the, the secular perspective of, uh, of our media, it produces spiritual dryness. When you watch movies and you listen to worldly rock and roll music or music that doesn't bring glory to God, this is a spiritual environment that produces dryness. And, uh, and even things that uh, seemingly are harmless can begin to sap spiritual life out of you, like becoming obsessed with hobbies or sports or grabbing the sports page first. Uh, these are things that can begin to sap uh, your spiritual strength and produce spiritual dryness. Can I get an Amen. Amen. We're talking about the most important thing on the earth, which is revival, which is God's spirit.